Well, that's the most hopeful song for us to uh, sing together. There is great hope for us today. Recently, Billy Graham was quoted as saying, I believe there's hope for America because of Jesus Christ. And that's a good statement. I believe there's hope for Israel because of Jesus Christ. I believe there's hope for Libya, for Iraq, for Afghanistan. There's hope for those of us gathered here at Bethel this morning because of Jesus Christ. So it's, it's an exciting and a hopeful day. I have some uh, good news from 1 John, Epistle of 1 John chapter 1. It's a very familiar uh, scripture probably to many of you, but the more I studied it, the more excited I got that Jesus literally did come. He came as a man from heaven for a very specific purpose, and that is to give hope and salvation to the whole world. There's hope for America, there's hope for us, only as American, only as we reach out in faith to Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 1. It's a fairly short chapter. I outlined it in this way. The first verse, first two verses really, John is saying, we are witnesses that Jesus was literally here. And he came to give eternal life to you. And then he expands on that a bit in verse 3. Because of Jesus, you can have fellowship. Because of Jesus, in verse 4, you can have full joy. And then the last verses, because of Jesus, verses 5 through 10, you can have, we can have forgiveness and cleansing. So this is really great news, and I was encouraged as I... Uh, looked out at your faces and realized that we have great hope. It's just a blessing to have everyone here. Josh, it's good to have your dad here with us. And maybe there's other visitors. We're just really blessed to be standing today in God's favor. So if you found this scripture, go ahead and stand and let's, let's read this scripture together. First, First John 1. I'm going to read it in the King James Version. If you're holding one of those uh, passages in front of you, read, read along. 1 John 1, starting at verse 1. Read together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full." This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another 
and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Pray that it would come alive in our hearts, our minds, and in our lives in the coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, if you have uh, the Gospel of John in front of you, and you lay that beside 1 John, you'll notice both, both books start very similarly, very uh, similar words. Uh, Apostle John was one of the 12 disciples, and he was probably the very closest one to Jesus. Peter, James, and John were the inner circle, and Apostle John was probably the closest of the three. In fact, he's referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He may have been the only one who actually walked all the way to the cross to where Jesus was dying. Now, maybe he fled initially, but by the time Jesus was put on the cross, he was there standing beside Jesus' mother. In fact, Jesus looked down and said, take care of her for me. And from that day forward, uh, he took responsibility for, for Mary, the mother of Jesus. He may have even been a relative of Jesus. There's some ancient history that would suggest that's possible. But he knew Jesus, and he was so determined to share this message of Jesus with others because he believed it. He knew it was true. He was a fast runner. At least he was faster than Peter because he outran Peter on the way to the tomb when Jesus had rose from the dead. And some women said, he's not there. We saw the empty tomb and we got a message that he was, he was raised from the dead. And Peter and John ran and John got there first. And he, he went in and he saw the empty tomb and he saw the grave clothes lying there. And he writes, he believed. Often in his gospel, he doesn't refer to himself in the first person. He just kind of uh, hints uh, at, at himself. So he starts out this epistle uh, talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus as the word. Because how do you know someone's mind? It's through communication, isn't it? Through words. And so Jesus came to reveal God's mind to us. So, we heard him, he says. We saw him with our eyes. And then he says, we looked upon him. There's a, a, a more intense uh, visual word here in, in the Greek text. Seeing is, um, you know, somewhat superficial at times. Did you see that? Well, I, I'm not sure. I, I sort of noticed it. Is different than, yes, I saw it, I gazed upon it, I, I, I know it happened. And our hands have handled of the word of life. Because at the time he was writing this, there were people teaching that Jesus really didn't come literally in the flesh. People saw this person and he looked like he was uh, a, a real person, so the teaching went. But it really wasn't a real human person. 
And this was some of the false teaching that was going on in the churches. And so part of why John wrote his book was to help clarify the facts that Jesus really had come from heaven and took upon himself. He, he, God was indwelled in a human, a real human body. And it wasn't just a shadow or an imagination or a ghost, but it was a, he was a real person. And so he's saying, I'm declaring this to you. Verse 2, he said, I'm showing this. I'm, I'm bearing witness to this person of Jesus. And this person of Jesus not only reveals the mind of God, he reveals salvation and he brings eternal life from God to us. And then he goes into the blessings. How many blessings do we have because of Jesus? We, we can't begin to scratch the surface this morning. In fact, here on earth, we'll never really understand the, the amount of blessings and the depth of the blessings that we have in Jesus. In fact, it'll take in the ages to come in eternity where God will unfold how wonderful Jesus and his plan is. In fact, the love, I, I heard a song about the love of God this week I hadn't heard before. It was entitled, The Depths of the Father's Love. And in the chorus it asks, how deep is God's love? How high is it? We'll never know because it's deeper, it's higher, it's wider, the Bible says, than we can ever understand. And yet, in a measure, we can understand his love. And Paul prayed, that we would grow in our understanding of his love. So, the love of God through the Lord Jesus Christ gives us many blessings, and I picked out these three from this passage. First, fellowship, verse 3, and then full joy in verse 4, and forgiveness in the rest of the scripture. So let's talk about fellowship. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. How would you define this word fellowship? Well, somewhere along the way I heard that a simple definition is fellows in the same ship. I'm not sure who came up with that, but that's a a little definition that goes with the English word. It's not a bad definition. I, I looked in this Greek lex, lex, lexicon. I guess it's another word for dictionary. Thayer's Greek lexicon says the Greek word for fellowship could also be rendered association, community, communion, joint participation, or contact. So John is saying... I'm writing this, I'm telling you, I'm reminding you about Jesus coming. Because he came, we can have fellowship. Actually, verse 3, three fellowships in verse 3. Three and three. There's, did you notice? There's three levels of fellowship mentioned here. There's fellowship with Jesus. And because of fellowship with him, we have fellowship with God the Father. And because of Jesus, we also can have fellowship with one another. And so we, we really are blessed. We can have this community, this communion, this relationship with God, with Jesus, and with one another because he came to put the broken relationships that we have back together. Because our relationship with God's broken. 
and our relationship with people around us is broken. Francis Schaeffer, in, in some of his books, he says even our relationship with ourself is broken. We are just broken people. And so our, all of our psychological or mental or emotional, you know, our personal needs in our mind, is, it's broken because of sin. sin. Sin destroys relationships, destroys fellowship, fellowship with God, fellowship with others. And, and even a sense of uh, fellowship with ourselves is destroyed because of sin. But Jesus came to restore broken relationships. Now, in John's gospel, he ends it. This is John 20, 31. He says, I'm writing this, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he's saying you need to come in your mind, in your heart, to this place of faith in Christ, and then you're going to have eternal life. And that eternal life uh, is in heaven, but it also starts here on earth. And so the life of Jesus starts to flow out from us to others. And so our relationships can be and should be and are being changed because of Jesus working in us. John wanted to tell the first-hand experience he had with Jesus. I don't know when you first heard about Jesus. Perhaps you were like me, you were carried to Sunday school as a young child. And you heard about Jesus so long ago, you don't even remember when it first was. But everybody at some point who's heard of Jesus has that first point of contact with Jesus. I think he may have met him first in, in chapter 1 of John. But see, he's kind of shy about talking about himself. John 1.35, the next day John the Baptist was there with two of his disciples and saw Jesus passing by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. This was the second day in a row John the Baptist did that. Andrew was one of those disciples and he ran and got Peter. The other one is not named. Some people think maybe it's Thomas. I think it may have been John and he just didn't name himself. And so... John the Baptist said, look at Jesus, study him, follow him. And so Andrew and John started following Jesus. Did you ever see somebody important and you kind of watched from a distance and you said, oh, yeah, there's like Centra Health, the hospital system where I work. Pretty big place. I think there's 5,000 employees. We got a new CEO. First time I saw him, I thought, oh, there he is. And I noticed other people were kind of, yeah, there he is, our new boss. What's he going to change? Because the old boss, the old CEO was there, I think, 30 years. So anyway, I think these two disciples were kind of looking at Jesus. They were kind of behind him. And Jesus turned around and looked at him and said, what do you all want? What do you seek? And... It was, it was, I think it was said in the most kind way. And I think he's still saying that to us today. What do you want from Jesus? What do we want from him? What do we desire? And do you remember what they answered? Uh, teacher, uh, where are you living? Where are you staying? I'm not sure. You know, I, I wish I could have been there to really get a sense of what went into that conversation. But Jesus very kindly said, come along. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon, the 10th hour, which in their day was four o'clock. 
and they went home with him. And, I, and that was the most exciting day, certainly, in Andrew's life up to that point. And I think John was probably there with him. And he just fell in love with Jesus. He never met anybody like him. Jesus had the words of eternal life. And it was just, it was so exciting. The commentator Matthew Henry writes this, the question that Jesus put to them is what we should all put to ourselves when we follow Jesus. What seek ye? What do we design and desire from Jesus? Those that follow Christ and yet seek the world or themselves or the praise of men deceive themselves. What seek we in seeking Christ? In following Christ, do we seek the favor of God and eternal life? If our eye be single in this, we are full of light. I, th I think it's really good for us to just take time to think about what do we want from Jesus? Are we really seeking him with our whole heart or, or are we distracted? And the biggest distraction for me and I think for most people is actually our own self. Our own selfishness, our own self-interest can distract us from this fellowship. And even after we're a Christian for many years, oh, our self can distract us. Sin can distract us from fellowship with God and from fellowship with others. Certainly selfishness and sin makes it hard for us to have good fellowship with others. So we can have three fellowships in Jesus, verse 3, with him, with the Father, and with each other. Human relationships are transformed by knowing Jesus and experiencing eternal life in him. And certainly love in human relationships is so critical. Apostle John was supposedly the only disciple who died a natural death. He suffered a lot, including being exiled on the island of Patmos. Uh, but eventually he got off the Isle of Patmos and his, the ancient history says that he was, went back to his church, which I think was at Ephesus perhaps. Um, and when he was an old man, he would be carried to the church and he couldn't put a whole sermon together. In fact, at the, toward the end, the only thing he really would say at church was, little children love one another. That would be his testimony or his encouragement at church. You know, and that I'm sure that really spoke to his, his church, this man who knew Jesus so well. And that, and that came from Jesus because he said, you're gonna, the people around you are going to know that you're Christians, that you're following me because you're going to have love for each other. You know, we've, we so often fall down in that, don't we? because of our selfishness and our sin. But this is God's will for us, that we would have fellowship with him and with one another. In fact, if you read through 1 John, it says, John at one point said, if you say you love God and you're in fellowship with him, but you're not getting along with others, you're deceived. And that's some pretty strong words for us, isn't it? All right, so let's move from fellowship to the next blessing of eternal life, and that is full joy, verse 4. 
I went through 1 John looking at the different times he said, I'm writing this because of this. There's quite a number of places in, in this little letter where he says, I'm writing this, that you would have this. Well, I'm writing this, that your joy may be full. Now, joy in the Strong's Dictionary says, is cheerfulness, calm delight. And actually, the word is very close to the, the Greek root for grace. Very similar words. Grace means to extend favor, lean toward, be favorably disposed toward. It's Jesus' will that we would have joy. And maybe John was remembering the words of Jesus. There was at least two times in the Gospel of John where Jesus used this phrase, full joy. John 15, he'd been talking about the vine and the branches. Abide in me and you'll be fruitful. And then he says in verse 11, these things have I, Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And then in the next chapter, chapter 16, he was talking about prayer. Jesus said, ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. There is a lot of joy in answered prayer, isn't there? There's a lot of joy. So it's joy from Jesus. It's not something we look inside ourselves to try to find happiness. Jesus said, it's my joy will be in you, and you're going to have full joy from me. This word full, uh, there's a lot of different definitions I found for it, that. I, the one I like best was crammed as a fish in, net, in a net. And I guess John, being a fisherman, he could relate to a net full of fish and just running over. Also, uh, the word flood. Your joy, you're going to have so much joy, it's going to be like a flood. That, that sounds overwhelming, doesn't it? But good things um, we need more of, don't we? Cheerfulness and calm delight. I think it'd be great to be overwhelmed with cheerfulness and calm delight, wouldn't it? We need that. And we can have it in Jesus. This word grace is a wonderful verse. And I put down here 2 Corinthians 9, 8 relating to grace. And a lot of grace. Listen to the word all in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that in all things... At all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. So what does this mean for us today? I believe joy is the awareness of God's grace. Thinking thoughts like, I know that God is happy with me. God is for me. His favor is flooding my way. His resources are pouring toward me. Even if we don't feel it at the time, we can by faith trust and believe that all these resources of grace from heaven are coming our way. So eternal life in Jesus gives me fellowship with God, gives me full joy, and then the last verses of the chapter gives me forgiveness and cleansing. Verse 5, this then is the message that we have heard from Jesus and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship 
one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We need forgiveness because we all have sinned. We can have this forgiveness by turning to Jesus. We need to admit our need. We need to confess that we are sinners. We need to plead guilty before God. The sinner's prayer needs to come from the bottom of our heart. And this, the best sinner's prayer I know of is the one that Jesus told in a parable where the publican and the uh, Pharisee went to the temple to pray. One had a big prayer and it didn't reach any further than the, than the, the voice. But the short prayer that the publican had reached God and he was saved. And that prayer, that sinner's prayer was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We need to pray that kind of prayer from the bottom of our heart. And if we do, God will forgive us. He will cleanse us. So this matter of sin is very troublesome for all of us. And we need to turn from darkness, from the darkness of sin to the light of God. Repentance means a turning around. Instead of going toward sin, darkness, Satan, and hell, we turn toward Jesus, who will bring us to God, bring us to light, bring us to love, to forgiveness, to purpose, to heaven. We ask him to change us. And that change can and does happen. I wish I could describe it to you. It's, this spiritual change is something that's hard to put words to. I wrote here, I wish I could describe it adequately, but it is beyond words. How do we put in words what happens when we trust in Christ? But it does happen, and the change is real, and it was real for William Featherstone. He was 16 years old. He trusted in Christ. I don't know how many people here are 16 today. But as a 16-year-old trusting in Christ, you can leave your mark on others by your testimony. And so William Featherstone, after he was saved, very soon thereafter, he, he wrote this poem. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. He died at age 26. Maybe he sensed his life wouldn't be real long. I'm not sure, but he wrote third stanza. I love thee in life, I will love thee in death. And praise thee as long as thou lendest me breath. And say when the death dew lies cold on my brow, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright. I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Do you love him today?
can have forgiveness through the shed blood of Jesus. And that comes in this chapter too, doesn't it? Did you notice that? Verse 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And then in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Forgive us from sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I was reading the definitions in the Greek uh, dictionary on this thing of sin and unrighteousness. Actually, two different words are used there. Unrighteousness maybe carries a little further weight than just a list of sins. You know, I can, I can think of pride and lust and anger and swearing and stealing and many other things on my list that Jesus has forgiven. But this thing of righteousness kind of goes further than just a list of sin. It has to do with the inner character, the, the moral and inner character of a person. He's able to cleanse us, not just forgive the list of sins, but he's able to get inside our mind and our heart and, and work a, a cleansing, a purging, a changing. And that happens when we trust in him, and that continues to go on throughout our lives. And that's the, uh, what we call sanctification, the continuing cleansing of God in our hearts. So today, we, we stand in the way of grace and we stand in the way of blessing. Let's just open our hearts and receive what God has for us. It's there for us. Eternal life in Jesus, I can have it. I can have fellowship with God through Jesus. I can have fellowship with you through Jesus. I can have full joy. I can have forgiveness and cleansing all because of Jesus. Another wonderful testimony comes from James Small. And somebody got a hold of his poem and put some good music to it, and Brother Joe's going to lead it. It's in the Life Songs, number 88. He said, I found a friend. Oh, such a friend. And he just goes on to describe all the wonderful things that Jesus meant to him. So let's sing this song as praise to, to Jesus, and let's live for him and share the good news with others. God bless you.